This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast. This is the dedicated weekly pod going to the heart of all things Saints FC. It's been quite an emotional week for all of us who have an affinity with the red and white half of Hampshire, but what doesn't break you makes you stronger. Three people, all strong in their own unique way, are Glenn, Steve and Dan, and they're as always alongside for the journey slash rollercoaster slash emotional counselling. Evening, guys. Evening. Evening. Steve, as I said, it's been quite a week. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's an understatement. And it's, yeah, potentially not, not necessarily going to get any easier anytime soon. Yeah, we, we're kind, we're kind of in that situation where you're, you're almost sort of desperate for an international break to, um, to kind of take stock of everything and, um, and kind of just press the reset reload. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Press, press reset, have a reboot, um, pick whatever sort of restarting cliche you want you want to <laughs> you want to choose. But whichever one of those we need we need it and we need it fairly fairly quickly, I think. And Dan, I was thinking about this yesterday. There must be some Premier League pods out there, I don't know, Total Crystal Palace for example or something like that where they must just talk about a win, talk about a lose, talk about a win, talk about a lose. I mean, it must be so mundane, nothing like the the complete and utter drama or excitement that delete is appropriate of uh, Saints each week. Well, I know you wouldn't have it any other way, would you? It's um, it's been quite the week. I think I've just woken up. To be honest, it's it was bloody exhausting the start of the week with the deadline day and uh, classic Southampton. Let's leave it until as late as possible to to announce a player that no one had any idea we were signing 24 hours previously uh, on loan, and then going into that Man United game. And I listened to you, Glenn and Peachy, on the the, the pod you did in the week, and I thought it was very good. And then you go into the Newcastle game, and you're like, oh. 
here we go again. And yeah, what a week. Yeah, I had to apologise to a couple of people because I was meant to uh, bleep out the first uh, B O double L O C K S at the uh, start, but I forgot to do that. But probably in uh, in in light of the pod, it was probably uh, a suitable fit actually. But there we go. But uh, just talk briefly then, Dan, about. Uh, your uh, quiz that's coming up with the Athletic this week, and I thought we hadn't done it for a little while, so maybe you could just remind everyone as well where they can subscribe at the end, not just for uh, the quiz, but also for your uh, content on the Athletic as well. Yeah, so we've got a the Athletic have done a launched a series of quiz nights with each each Premier League club, and there's been a Bundesliga quiz, there's going to be an Italian one, um, and I'm sure there's going to be one in Scotland, and they've teamed up with Prostate Cancer UK, and the idea is to essentially so. Obviously, my my team is Southampton, so I've devised a quiz, four rounds, ten questions. Matt Letissier is going to be a special guest. I've got Alex Stewart, who may be better known for his amazing work on TIFO, is going to be co-host. We've got plenty of Southampton fans already signed up, so I'd encourage everyone to log on to The Athletic and and sign up if you haven't already. You're going to get the chance to ask me questions, Alex Stewart questions. Letissier, as I said, will be on for a bit. Uh, and the club donating a signed shirt for the winner so it's definitely worth coming on the aim is obviously to raise as much money as we can for prostate cancer uk so yeah head on to the athletic and if you haven't subscribed same website athletic.co.uk and yeah subscribe and read some negative stuff about southampton for this week <laughs> and, and just briefly dan in case anyone's sort of mulling it over so will it be like a what a video type quiz or is it just audio or is it just typing in i mean how are you going to go about it yeah so it'll be on zoom it'll be done via zoom and how it works from what I've seen of the other quizzes is that, so for example, if you were playing, you'd have Zoom up and then you'd have a device, maybe your phone or something where you answer the questions and you get extra points depending on how quick you answer them. So say, I don't know, you answered it within within a second, you'd get more points than someone who answered it after in Googling. 10 seconds. Yeah, after Googling, you get 20 seconds to answer each question. As I say, four rounds. There'll be two rounds and there'll be a break, which is hope, which is where Latiz will come on. Uh, and then there's the other two rounds and the winner will go through to a kind of grand final quiz where they'll be going up against, obviously, the winners of the other quizzes for a chance to win £1,000. So, yeah, really looking forward to it, actually. And it should make quite a nice welcome distraction from what has been a very difficult week supporting Southampton. Yeah, indeed. No, good stuff. And, uh, yeah, as you say, the fact it's linked to prostate cancer as well is uh, an excellent initiative. So, yeah, good luck with that on uh, Friday. And, uh, Glenn, it's obviously Super Bowl uh, weekend uh, this uh, weekend, so I thought we should have some uh, U.S. presidency because it was Benjamin Franklin who once said, out of adversity comes opportunity. Obviously, Tuesday night was a real kick in the you-know-whats, but arguably your blog was possibly your greatest work ever. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be. Um, it, it's easier to write when when there's something grim happening, you know, rather rather than a you know a mundane. So there'll be another one this weekend. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A mundane two nil win. But yeah, I was I was kind of inspired by the whole um, refereeing shambles, and uh, yeah, it seems to it seems to have gone down quite well this week. So uh, yeah, I don't. I'd rather write a boring one, to be honest. After after we've had a very dull two nil win, but uh, but yeah, you got to make of it what you can sort of thing and you got to laugh at yourself really and you got to laugh at your club sometimes otherwise what's the point 
Indeed, yeah. Well, as you say, if uh, you haven't read it yet, then uh, I would absolutely uh, encourage you to. Uh, there was some tremendous work and uh, a Star Trek link in there and everything. So uh, some uh, brilliant work, Glenn. And uh, yeah, on this week's podcast, then we'll be uh, revisiting Saints' uh, trip up to Newcastle United in a game that ended in another bitterly disappointing loss for Saints, three goals to two. And as often the case in football, like when we played Arsenal twice in four days at the end of January, we now face Wolves twice in four days as well. So first up is the FA Cup clash on Thursday ahead of the Premier League fixture on Sunday and we'll do a collated preview of both those matches. We also have a question from one of our patrons which I'll get the guys thoughts on around the VAR dialogue between on-field and Stockley Park officials and just like cricket and rugby for example whether making it live for all to hear might help rather than hinder the process of making decisions so we'll get the guys thoughts on that later on. Before we get going we're delighted to welcome our newest TSP patron into the fold via patreon.com slash total saints podcast that is a gentleman by the name of Michael McDonald, not too far away from me. Michael's based in Glasgow. But Michael, a really big thank you to you for supporting the podcast. We're very, very grateful for you. So let's get going like Michael would want us to. Underpinned by the wonderful global patrons, this is TSP 148. <laughs> This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Dillacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. If Tuesday evening at Old Trafford was a bad night at the office for Saints, then arguably Saturday's visit to Newcastle was even worse. Much like the northeast weather throughout the game, Saints were pretty miserable from start to finish. The only bright moments were two wonderful strikes from Takumi Minamino and a trademark James Ward-Prowse dead ball. Unfortunately, they couldn't overcome a catalogue of errors at the other end. Dan, there was a lot of talk about a reaction from Saints post-United, but uh, it simply didn't happen in the end. Very poor stuff. It was... Uh, an utter shambles substandard defending <laughs> no it was just a shambles substandard defending substandard attacking two moments of brilliance from as you mentioned Minamino and Prowsey but other than that I honestly thought it was diabolical honestly diabolical I've written about it uh, it's on The Athletic now where it was almost it was business as usual after Man United and it felt weird kind of writing after the Man United game sorry to go back but I've not had the chance to say it where you're watching a team lose 9-0 yet you're giving them so there, there are so many mitigating factors and you're thinking well it's not that bad it's not that bad it'll be, it'll be fine they were going to get spanked by Man United anyway just look at look at the teams 9-0 was just yeah it was just well 9-0 there's not much more to add on that but going into the Newcastle game where the talk had been of there's going to be a reaction the the players will be hungry everything they just didn't show any of it they didn't show any of it I honestly thought they were shocking I don't care what you've got to say about the conditions of the pitch doesn't matter they should have found a way around that. The way they attacked Newcastle with nine men on the pitch, nine men, was my dogs got more attacking quality than than, than they had. Pedestrians, the word I would have used. I don't even know if it was pedestrian. I honestly don't know what it was. Crawling, maybe. There was just no... Where was the intensity? This is a team that had just lost 9-0. Where were they? I, I thought, from looking from the outside in, the way that you guys and the supporters kind of rallied around the players and Ralph after that Tuesday night game. I honestly thought you guys deserve so much more. I thought it was appalling the way they came out and played. The way they defended was absolutely, I see better defending at the local park in normal times. It was, it was that bad. Jack Stevens, where is he for the first goal? Bednarik, how was he letting that ball go through his legs? 
where he is. Just uh, utterly shambolic. Alex McCarthy, what are you doing? There's 15 seconds left. Just kick it long. Not a problem. Just kick it long. Go into the half-time 2-1. Had they got into half-time at 2-1, I honestly thought I fancied Southampton to come out and, and win that game. But that third goal was just an absolute sucker punch. And then they had the red card where Hendrick got the second second yellow. Prowse scored. You're thinking, right, here they go now. And there was just nothing. Danny Ings hit the post and that was it. It was just utterly, utterly, utterly shambolic. It's great that, yeah, we've got 29 points, which is what the thing is. You know, we've got 29 points. They're six points ahead of Burnley in 17th. Now, I'm not, they're not going to be in any kind of relegation danger. I'm not saying that. But they are six points off 17th now. So, We've had 29 points for a month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's great you've got 29 points, and it's great you're not going to get relegated, but I, I went through the comments on a piece I did recently on The Athletic where I mentioned about what is their season going to be now, because I said they weren't going to finish in the top six, so really all they've got is the FA Cup. I mean, if they get knocked out against Wolves this week, everyone might as well just turn their lights off for the rest of the season, because what what is the point? It's really I was really, really really kind of angry and disappointed at the way they, they came out on Saturday. I honestly thought the supporters deserved so much more from those players. Don't get me wrong, I think Ralph could have done a lot more to change it as well, but he didn't. It's probably a controversial thing to criticise Ralph because he is obviously held up as a fantastic manager and he is an absolutely brilliant coach. But he's got a few decisions wrong in recent weeks, I think, that have that has not helped. So yeah, very, very, very very bad performance I think you summed it up well Dan uh, harsh but fair we will get to some positives I managed to dig some out today but uh, yeah uh, I think fair assessment there um, Glenn look, we always remain level headed on this podcast don't we so we're not going to get uh, into a total audio meltdown but Newcastle had scored only two first half goals in their previous 11 Premier League matches I worked it out earlier today more importantly they completed just 69 passes in the first 45 minutes yesterday so somehow you know only Saints could find themselves going in at 3-1 down at half time well, it just goes to show that no matter how poor the opposition is, if you keep throwing goals in your own net, you know, it, you, you're going to struggle to win any Premier League game. They're, they're not a good side. They've got one decent attacking player who unfortunately happened to be playing against our makeshift right back. They're a bad team, but we, we just made them look good. We, we allowed them to be good by continually giving away stupid goals. All three of them, as Dan has said, were, were, Comical. Ridiculous, yeah. ridiculous. The the third one is is the killer because that's just horrible. We, you know, we had a free kick on the left. It gets floated over. It comes over to the to the right hand side. We've still got all our players up from the free kick, and we turn around and go backwards with thirty seconds to go until half time. We turn around and go backwards. It goes back to the goalie. A dreadful pass. Whether it got stuck in the pitch or what, it was still dreadful. Stupid thing to do. You know, and then. And then we're 3-1 down. But the, the, the cluelessness about how we approached the second half against 10 men. Uh, 10 men, it wasn't too bad. We at least had a couple of efforts. But again, against nine men, we, we were just awful. You know, I think Newcastle just got more entrenched with nine men, didn't they? And they just sat on the edge of the box and, and, and we did nothing. It was just so frustrating. I mean, you learn as a kid when you're about under 12s about playing against less men, creating overloads. And it's about intensity, moving the ball quickly, creating two-on-ones. We didn't do any of that. We just lobbed players up front. We sent Lundalu on to be a big lump in the box. And then we sent Vestergaard on. And then we didn't cross the ball. We just went sideways, 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 40 yards out. And eventually it came to either Ward-Prowse or Romeo to chip it in. And it was just, it was just rubbish. I mean, if it was crossed in by the wingers, it was 
scuffed hit about the first man, all that hit, sort the, of thing, yeah. hit the first man at knee high. It, it was just pathetic. It's it's playing against less men. It's never about just lobbing players in the box. It's what you do outside the box to try and draw players out to you know to try and create openings. And we didn't do any of that. Um, and Newcastle, I have to say, they they thoroughly deserved to win. It was almost like you know we have this thing about we lose or we learn. I would say Newcastle learned more from our nine nil defeat against Man United than we did. They learned how to defend with not, you know, they put the bodies on the line and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Southampton didn't do very well defending with nine men. This is what we're going to do. And, and they, they were excellent. And if, if that had been the other way around and we put in a performance like that against nine men, we'd be with nine men. Sorry. We'd be, we'd be singing our praises. So, you know, for all my criticism of Newcastle for being a very limited team, I thought they were brilliant, really, and and they totally deserve to win. No, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think, yeah, as you say, fight and determination. And uh, from a Newcastle point of view, it was the first time since October 2015 versus relegated Norris that uh, they'd managed to score three goals in the first half of a Premier League game. So uh, not great from a Saints point of view. Um, Steve, I think the, the thing that annoyed me most is it literally felt like everything fell into place for us throughout the course of that 90 minutes. You know, they had defenders out before the game uh, obviously they lost Wilson and Mankio went off injured Hendrick was then sent off Sam Maxson got subbed so that took away that threat then Shah went off injured you know with 20 minutes to go as Glenn said you know we're, we're basically playing against nine men I mean you know somehow Saints can manage to contrive that and, and lose from that position yeah and I mean to be honest I think I think the issue is mental I basically think that we realized the the situation in that we were up against nine men for for 20 plus minutes and there was just suddenly this panic of oh god there's so much pressure on us now to um to get something from this game and unfortunately nobody really took the game by the scruff of the neck I mean, Minamino had done well for the first hour but I think that his lack of lack of game time this season was a was a problem later in the game I mean quite why we we persisted with with four at the back for uh, I think it was 85 minutes I think when when Stevens got taken off and and we we started uh, pushing more players forward it's like well I mean you just we've got to react to situations like that so much so much better and faster yeah especially um, after St Maximan went off because that yeah. that's their attacking threat and we took 15 minutes to make a change after he went off you know yeah. it's just um, and and he and I mean he was struggling from about half an hour in. He was already he was, was already limping, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah, he was limping for a good ten, fifteen minutes in the first half. So I mean I don't I don't see how any of those players can put any sort of excuses out. Everything was just so slow, just really predictable, made it really easy for Newcastle to defend. And on the occasions where we did then get the ball wide, not a single player decided it was a good idea to try and take on the fullback. Um yeah. I mean how how Redmond stayed on the ninety plus minutes I mean, God knows, because I mean, just what was the point? He was he was receiving the ball to feet, and then rather than take on take on the the fullback, it would always go backwards to either um, Romeo or to Ward Prowse or whoever whoever was floating somewhere vaguely near him. So then, in the last five ten minutes, I think basically Ward Prowse and Romeo realised that he wasn't doing anything, so they stopped passing to him. So therefore, then everything had to. You then cut out one channel of where you're where you're trying to um, sort of create openings, and you've basically just shot yourselves in the foot again. Mm, yeah, no, I agreed. It felt like the one time that he did sort of drive forward, you know, he created that chance for rings that hit the post. So yeah, totally agree. And uh, Dan, I mean, look. You know, obviously we've spoken about the sort of pace of, of Saints play and the pitch and things like that. You know, it's easy to make excuses, but I think probably I was quite surprised that 
Oriol Romeo was still on the pitch at the end as well because you know, since you yeah. were playing against a team that is playing what 6-2-0 you mentioned Ralph Ireland and I just kind of wanted to ask you about that from a, a tactical point of view because you, you know as you say the players have let him down a little bit um, absolutely but I, I mean you surprised that we didn't see a Gineppo come on or something like that I mean did it, did it feel from your point of view like he could have done more tactically and if so what? 100% I think I raised that in the in the group chat we had I, did, I just as much as I love Romeo and I think he's a fantastic footballer there was just no need for him to be on that pitch after Newcastle went down to nine men. Just no need. Everyone could see that Redmond just wasn't doing anything. So why not just chuck on Genepo? He's not exactly a fantastic player, but he causes a bit of chaos, doesn't he? The chaos that factor, kind of, that's it, yeah. What's he going to do? What's he going to do next? I mean, what, what way is he going to try and twist and turn me? His end product isn't fascinating, but he would have... I think just having him on the pitch would have, I don't know, sparked something. It just gives them that... Because Redmond clearly was getting no change out of his fullback so why not try someone else well he wasn't trying to get any change out well, of the fullback yeah, was he no. I mean Gineppo at least would take players on and exactly. he, he might lose the ball he might get fouled whatever but at least he's committing a defender yeah and I think I, I mean I don't know we all watched that game and we thought why is Ralph not making these changes only Ralph will really know the answer to that did he think did he think the players on the pitch were good enough to get the job done did he not back the players on the bench to come on and make an impact well they could have tried something that those players on the pitch were failing to do. And I don't think we should just single out Nathan Redmond for being poor. Agreed, yeah. I think Danny Ings has been poor mm-hmm. for a while. I yeah. don't think he's been any good. That shot where he took an extra touch, last season he takes that bang goal. Minamino I thought was brilliant, as Steve said, but then the lack of game time did kind of come in and you could tell that he was tiring towards the end. He, the plan probably wasn't for him to play the whole game I would be surprised it's probably okay well give him an hour 70 minutes but then by the time you're 3-2 down you try and leave your attacking players on I thought Shea Adams was busy to be fair to him I thought he actually I think he was probably one of the better players I don't think anyone was brilliant but I thought from watching him I thought he was one of the better ones but it was just repetitive it was Newcastle deserved credit for the way they defended but they were just watching Southampton do the same thing over and over and over and over again you'd pick it up after two or three times you think oh they're not going to change it okay well we'll just keep on doing what we're doing then because it's working it was just yeah I just think I mean he only made one sub that's the thing isn't it you know I'm not saying just make subs for the sake of it but at least mix it up you know as you say whether it's Gineppo whether it's Sotelo or something just give them something different to think about yeah yeah, ex- yeah exactly going forward just confuse Newcastle because they were just so used to what was happening so just throw on a player that I mean, how much do Newcastle know about Teller? Probably not a lot. He's obviously just coming back from an injury, so you want to be careful with him, and, and the conditions probably wouldn't have been perfect for a player coming back from injury. But Oriol did all right. Yannick did all right. Just just put them on. What's the worst that's going to happen? What is the worst that's going to happen? You're losing the game anyway. If you lose it, if you lo- if one of them gives the ball away and Newcastle run off and score, so what? Do you mean, what, what, what is that in that game? It doesn't really make too much of a difference. I thought there was a lot, a lot to be desired. Uh, from the changes yeah alright well just before we do get onto the positives because we obviously want to try and uh, get some of those out of there um, I was interested to ask you a question Dan um, John Robert who listens to the pod uh, reached out earlier today and he said do you guys feel like we're missing a leader on the pitch the type of person that can rally the troops to show some fight desire as well as call out mistakes in a game like that I know the game has changed a bit and gone in the days of Roy Keane etc but used to feel that the likes of Virgil van Dijk at least did this um, look, obviously we know van Dijk's sort of one in a, a million so to speak Dan but do you I mean I, I probably do agree with John you know there wasn't any leaders out there really grabbing the the you know the ball by the horns and driving everyone forward and you know we know Prousey is a fantastic captain in terms of the role model settling and things like that but he's not a shouter a screamer is he? he's just someone that sets the tone so do you think maybe that sometimes in a game like that you do need a, a shouter and a screamer almost I think so yeah especially in a game like that when 
you've got a two-man advantage and you're on the back of a 9-0 defeat and you've got you need to bounce back there was Ralph says as much himself about Prowsey where he's not I think I can't remember the specific quote but he he says he doesn't lead necessarily through words it's his actions on the pitch but and he did he that free kick was sensational as we'd all come to expect from him what more can we say about that free kick other than it was just another beautiful set piece but I don't know I think Hoiberg he wasn't the best captain in the world but I think Hoiberg had a bit of you know, he was a bit that kind of GU-up character, if that makes sense. He'd be trying to rally. You know, he had that vibe about him. And I just don't think there's anyone really on the pitch that, that did that uh, at the weekend. I think, I don't know, I don't, I don't know whether they were just completely kind of gone from what happened on Tuesday night. I, I honestly don't know, but there was just honestly so much missing. Of course, they, they needed a leader in that moment, but no one stood up. So there was they didn't have one. Fair enough. All right. Well, before I ask uh, Glenn and Steve about their positives, uh, some of the other replies I got today, Spencer Houghton, the new lad scored and looked useful and the free kick. Elsie said, my biggest positive this week is that I don't have BT Sport. Uh, DTAC64 said Minamino. James SFC, Minamino and Vestergaard's return. Mark Saints FC said the biggest positive was that it's March the 6th to Sheffield United away. Uh, Oz Arnold said it wasn't nine. Minamino looked good. Uh, Alistair Mogger said going forward they looked good. Defensively awful. Also has to be said that uh, McCarthy's immunity from being dropped has to come to an end. Chris Murdoch, Vestergaard was good to see his forward passes back, although unsurprisingly he looked undercooked. And Paul Scally said we show character to fight back and not collapse. KWP back soon. The lad from Liverpool looks good. And um, Glenn, let's touch on Minamino because uh, it was a fantastic touch and uh, you know finish for his goal. Obviously got Saints back into it as well, but. I think for the first hour, I mean, he did tire, I think, as Steve mentioned earlier, but he looked, you know, really lively and uh, some good movement and uh, definitely gave them a, a different option. Uh, he did. And it was a fabulous goal. It was kind of out of nowhere, wasn't it? I, it was. You yeah. know, I, I really wasn't expecting it. I was um, just literally be... messaging Dan to say what a shambles it was. And then I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I don't I didn't know before the game if he's left footed or right footed. I assume he's left footed, judging by the way he hit that. That was that was a that was a tremendous shot. And you can tell he's he's clearly got something about him because I'd never seen anything he'd done for Liverpool, really, that suggested that. It was another one of their signings that wasn't going to work out. You can debate a little bit about whether there was a plan with regards to us signing him. Um, cause it doesn't, it doesn't look like there was. It's like, I mean, it is a player. He happens to be a winger. Okay. Well, you know, we've got him for the season and we've got to make the most of it. He did look good. I, I like the thought of him on one side and Armstrong on the other when, when Armstrong, when Armstrong comes back. And yeah, it was a positive. He did, he did drift even before he got tired in the last half an hour. He did kind of drift in and out of the game a little bit. Um, there was sort of like, after after the goal, there was sort of five or ten minutes where you kind of thought, oh, is he, where is he? You know, he, he's not he's not getting involved at all. But I think a lot of that was probably down to the failings of others. But you know, he was he was. I mean, he scored a goal. He got fouled twice for both of the bookings that Hendrick got. Um, he, he you know he made things he made things happen. So uh, yeah, hopefully he, he can keep that going. And with a little bit more fitness, we'll um, we'll have a quite an exciting player on the pitch for the uh, for the rest of the season. And Steve, we're running out of superlatives for James Wall Prowse and his free kicks, obviously. I have to be honest, when I uh, was sat looking at it, I thought this is too far out to score, but uh, just goes to prove me wrong. Uh, another scintillating free kick from him. Uh, most free kicks in the world since 2015-16. Aspas 7, Dybala 7, Kolarov 8, James Wall Prowse 9. He's in second place. A certain Lionel Messi's in first place, but he has scored 21, so Prowse has got a bit of work to do there. Uh, but uh, look, I mean, we'd put him firmly in the world-class category now with those uh, free kicks, wouldn't we? I mean, they're a pleasure to watch. Yeah, I mean... I guess when certain players get on the ball in, in set piece 
situations, you're always slightly slightly worried as a defending team. But I don't think there's been. I always think that a lot a lot of those sort of reputations are probably sort of not necessarily well earned. Like I mean, take for example people like I don't know Roberto Carlos historically, Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano prime, Ronaldo, pr- yeah. absolute prime example. In that when he gets it right, it looks incredible. But 99 times out of 100, he's either blasting it into into um, into the knees of someone in the wall, or it's going in <laughs> rosette. Yeah. Whereas, perhaps now you you are kind of expecting it to be challenging the keeper more often than not. And I mean that's that's quite something. I mean even even Letizia, I don't think was was in sort of as prolific a sort of mindset, if you like, uh, from from. Uh, dead balls as um, as Prousey is now. Latis would would often like scuff them, or they'd be, I mean, they they'd get over the wall, or they go, but they go straight at the keeper. Whereas everyone that Prousey hits is kind of within probably two to three two to three feet of of the post that he's aiming at. Yeah, but you're surprised when he misses, even, aren't even, you? Yeah, even 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 if it goes wide, it's it's usually close to the extent that the keeper's kind of either scrambling or diving full length for it. And to have that kind of weapon in your armory is is great. And it's I mean, let's let's be honest, it's damn useful at the moment given that we're I mean I think we, we created we created a few chances um Saturday from from open play, which I guess is one relatively encouraging aspect, although it was it although it was against Newcastle who are <laughs> bad. Yeah. Um let's say yeah, let's rem- let's remind ourselves of that. But yeah, at the end of the day, without without those those set pieces, we'd possibly be in a possibly be sort of properly looking over our, sh- our shoulder um, right about now, I suspect. Yeah. All right then, Dan. Just to finish off, um, look, I mean, we had a fairly strong lineup out. Of course, we appreciate the likes of Yannick and Ori are going to take a bit of time to get up to speed again. I think Ralph said after the game that Yannick had just had one full training session. Um, you know, we've still got the likes of Theo, Carl Walker, Peters, and Armstrong to come back as well. Then hopefully we can regain some confidence and push on again. Um, Post match, Dan, Ralph said that we need to probably push that reset button again. Um, what do you think he meant by that, given sort of where we are this time around? Um, and, you know, how do they go about resetting it, bearing in mind there's games thick, coming thick and fast? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a drastic reset as opposed to the last time. It's hard to kind of put a, put something on it. I I guess he would probably be referring to they just need a kind of mental cleanse of everything that's happened since kind of beating beating Liverpool. Obviously, they've had the... The, the results in the cup, but it's like I say five Premier League defeats in a row. They just need to, I guess, yeah, I guess what Ralph says, just hit that, hit some kind of but, mental button and just go again. Um, they just need to find that, that spark, that drive, the energy to to go again. Which, it, to answer the second part of your question, is going to be quite difficult because if they haven't got the energy now, the games are still coming thick and fast as you've mentioned. So it's not necessarily going to be any easier. But I do think the having the likes of Oriol back, Yannick back, Nathan Teller on the bench, Salasu on the bench, Walker Peters hopefully back in the near future. I don't think Theo Walcott's going to be back anytime soon. And Armstrong. When you've got those players fit and in and around the squad, all of a sudden Southampton look like a completely different team. And it will almost be like they've signed a few players when they're back and firing. There was a quiet window in January, but if they can get Kyle back, if they can get Armstrong back soon, they've got Yannick back now. You know, things are starting to hopefully fall into place again. It's just they just need to get that monkey off their back and 
get a result from somewhere. I think Wolves is going to be tricky because Wolves just don't really concede goals. Um, there, there's a difficult place to go, so that's going to be tough. But I mean, well, Sheffield, someone, one of the the, the listeners said Sheffield United next month. Hopefully, we don't have to wait that long for for, for a good result. But yeah, it's just not go back to basics, but just remember why why they were so good at the start of the season. And if they can try and find an extra 5%, 10% from somewhere kind of deep within, then just make sure they do it and just use it because the season is just like slowly petering out. They just need to find that, that zip again. And if they can, then I wouldn't be surprised if they go and win kind of three, four, five games. But if they continue in this kind of rut, then it's going to be a very, very long final few months. is the Total Saints podcast, proudly underpinned by our TSP patrons. Now, one of our patrons, Jude, got in touch during the latter part of the week, post the VAR Jan Bednarek shenanigans at Old Trafford on Tuesday, to ask a really interesting question about the communication between officials and how they come to the decisions they do. I, whether all of us being able to listen in might make the process and eventual outcome a little easier to understand. So Jude's question was, why is it that we don't hear what the refs discuss for VAR decisions? In any other game, this is now the norm. Why is football different? And surely if they brought this in, the whole VAR controversy would be more open and transparent. So why can't it be introduced and why hasn't it been introduced? I'm sure there's better ways to word this question. I'm not sure there is, Jude. I think you've done a good job of it, but wanted to ask and wasn't sure who, so chose you guys at TSP. Um, look, appreciate we've been on the end of um, poor decisions this week, so it probably feels uh, very topical, and of course it's a, a sore issue with us. But as we saw with Suchek at West Ham last night, there's other clubs that are kind of involved in this uh, trouble at the moment, Steve. Um, look, we know officials are very protected in football from interviewing or any real accountability, etc., do you think, per Jude's question, it could help, or do you think that potentially, you know, the authorities would never really agree to it? As a concept, I think it it would help because the people watching would actually hear kind of the justification for the for decisions. However, the problem is that, like when you're when you're watching games on TV, you can see players constantly hurling volleys of abuse at the at the officials whenever whenever a decision goes against them, even sometimes when a decision goes in their favour. Um, they're calling them this, that and, and whatever. The problem is that the referee's language is equally as bad. And from what I gather, that also extends to the conversations they have with their colleagues at Stockley Park. So there is there is this seemingly never ending stream of quote unquote bants between um, between referees and assistants and fourth officials and video video officials over the comms system, which includes a lot of. Um, fruity language that obviously the TV companies would not be able to broadcast. So unless they manage to sort everybody out and stop them acting like pathetic children, they would have to they would then have to bring in some sort of strict protocol on exactly how decisions are supposed to be spoken about but we can't i mean we can't say that you know i I don't disagree with anything you said but we can't say we're gonna for the detriment of our game not do that sort of thing just because there's fruity language between people i mean ultimately that would then be their responsibility to to make sure they were going through that sort of um more professional process and you know i mean i agree but they won't but but you and glenn you and glenn are prime examples i mean you love a love a swear look what i've done with the podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well yeah um but that's 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 taken that's taken years of um years of learning and, and 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I I, I just yeah. think that there's no there's no appetite for it among the referees and. Ultimately, they appear to be a law unto themselves at the moment. Um, I mean, particularly in particularly in in light of what's happened in the last week or so. I mean, it's ab- absolutely extraordinary that um, Mike Re- Mike Dean is going to have had two red cards rescinded in the space of less than a week, and he's almost certainly going to be um, in in charge of a game either midweek or next weekend. Mm. What makes it even uh, worse? Yeah, but what makes it even worse is the fact that both of those red cards that are overturned, he actually watched the pictures on the screen. It's not like he's made a judgment on the pitch and then they've been overturned. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think some I, I saw a West Ham Twitter Twitter account uh, yesterday worked uh, worked out that Mike Dean watched the clip of the of the Suchek Mitrovic incident last night 23 times and still came to the decision that he came to. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's like if 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 that if that is the case, then I mean, you you're helpless. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, what, what what can you do when a referee is that blinded to what to what? I mean, it, it is as if Dean has gone over to that monitor thinking, right, I'm looking for an excuse to to send this send this guy off. But he's also probably thinking, ah, well, I can be clever here because it's in the 97th minute, so it's not actually going to affect the game. But I've I've still got an opportunity to make this all about me. <laughs> well, he seemed to be pretty much apologising as he uh, gave the red card, didn't he? And surely you you hope that someone is actually listening to the conversations you know either pgmol or the fa are reviewing it afterwards and and well, I th- I and trying to work out what what's going on because i you know like with some of the offside goals if we take the the che adams one at man united for example i hope the question that is being asked by the on-pitch referee is can you prove that this is offside can you give me any reason to definitively say this is offside and disallow the goal. So if there's with, with, if with saying, offside, it's not it's not a case of it's not like in rugby where the t- where the referee goes to the TMO and says, is there any reason not to award the try? Yeah, but it should be because yeah, there's there's no there's no way that those pictures. I haven't seen a single picture of that Che Adams goal being disallowed, where I've I've gone okay, I can see why they've given that offside. It, it's just it's just too close to call. You. You can't you can't possibly give it. So if they're going for it, for going at it from a point of view of I'm going to give this goal unless you can prove otherwise. Or are they going at it from the point of view of, you know, you know, can can you find a, a frame where the, a, a hair in his armpit is further forward? It's almost like they're trying to disallow goals. I would, I would love to know how it how it works. So but as long as PGMOL or the FA are re, are reviewing it, then it will, you would think, eventually get better, but I suspect that they're not. I think Mitrovic did him any favours, to be honest, but there we go. Well, of course he wouldn't, but then players go down in those situations. And, I mean, to be fair, Mitrovic, he, there, there was certainly contact, and, it, and I'm sure it absolutely would have been quite painful. So in that situation, I, d- I don't really blame him for going down and holding his face. He's gone down and he's held, he's held the part of his face where there was significant contact. But the issue is that it clearly wasn't violent conduct. It wasn't a deliberate, a deliberate act. And Mike Dean should be able to see that and um, not award the ludicrous decision. But we are where we are. But but going back to the the sort of uh, communications, I I believe the TV companies get the um, get the audio. Um, so quite often you'll hear on on commentary when the game is like if the game is still running but there's a possible incident, you'll hear like the commentator say now um, the VAR is just checking this this 
this possible penalty, they can obviously hear what's what's get what's being said between the two. But obviously they're they're not willing or a potentially able to to broadcast that that conversation. I don't see how it would improve things because ultimately the the problem still comes down to the fact that you have these referees um, sat in the studio who are seeing things that literally nobody else is seeing and giving decisions that no, nobody else would give. It's nuts. Yeah, no, fair enough. All right. Well, Dan, just uh, before we get onto the Wolves preview, then what's your, your thoughts as a sort of, I suppose as Saints fans, we're kind of blinkered after everything that's happened this week, but as a, as a neutral and sort of knowing what you know in the, the industry, so to speak, I mean, any likelihood of this happening or do you think it's a bit of a pipe dream? I think it's probably a bit of a pipe dream. It's You've been on everyone's wish list for referees to come out and do post-match interviews, but that's never going to happen, so I don't understand or I can't see why all of a sudden they would now release discussions they're having um, when coming to a decision with VAR. I, d- I just can't see how it gets to that point, to be honest. I think what Glenn said, if that does go on, would probably be the best thing to make sure that this that it's being reviewed by the Premier League, by the FA, by the PGMOL, just to, so, that, so that at least it's kind of being scrutinised. And I'm sure it... It probably is. I'm sure the PGMOL. I mean, to be fair to them, referees do go through a lot of testing. You know, after every game, there's an awful lot of feedback that they get. Now, the the decisions on Tuesday aside, which obviously were ridiculous. I mean, the goal and the the second red card. I don't think there's any argument with the first one. I mean, referees have had it quite tough this year. Let's be honest. Everyone's talking about Southampton's players being tired. Now. Is is Mike Dean allowed to be tired? No. I'm not defending Mike. I'm not. Uh, I'm not defending Mike <laughs> Dean. I'm not defending him because he was awful and he was awful in the West Ham game. But what about the referees? Are they not allowed to feel fatigued? There's only 18 referees. But why is there only 18? Well, that's not quite. I mean, I don't know the answer to that question. That ask ask Mike Riley. I, I don't right, know. Do. But yeah, no. But I think that's the point, <laughs> Dan, isn't it? You, you know. But for me, it's like that's the challenge. We're not making referees better we don't seem to be helping them and we're not improving the batch of referees that are coming through so it's literally yeah there's your 18 deal with it guys you know isn't it for them and for us but yeah are we asking too much of them at the moment sounds like they are, it, they're it? going yeah. from game to game as well and ultimately but what, tired, but why is Mike Dean refereeing on a Tuesday and then a Saturday surely he should be doing like say you you take half the referees they do the Saturday, they do the weekend games. The other, the other, and the other half do the do VAR for the, for that weekend. And then for the following, um, for the midweek round, you swap it round. Surely, surely that makes makes the most sense. Well, Lee Mason, Lee Mason obviously refereed us against Villa. He was then fourth official at Old Trafford. He was then in the VAR studio um, yesterday for that Fulham game. So essentially, he's refereed one game in a week, and Mike Dean's done two in five days. Yeah, and I mean, the, even if. I don't know. We'd all like, we'd all probably like to see Mike Dean miss miss a week or two, but can they actually afford that? Can they let that happen? Really? Who who else from, comes from in? Maybe someone from the championship. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's easier said than done, isn't it? But yeah. then, if you talk to fans of championship clubs or League One clubs, yeah. and we and we know from our time down there in the not too distant past that the officials at that level are even worse. BT Sports Peter Walton, for example. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the question kind of answers itself. Why does Mike Dean referee every week? Probably because he's better than the like, you know, the sort of like B-list, if you like, the yeah. likes of David Coote and Trevor Kettle. Yeah, yeah and, and he's around for him. And even if, but even if they wanted to give Dean a week off, take him out of the, the heat, they just can't because they haven't got anyone else. So it's referees are in the same situation as players. They, they are doing an awful lot at the moment don't get me wrong that doesn't make the 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 howler he had against Southampton 
any easier to take, but because, I mean, he sat there and looked at a screen so many times, so that he shouldn't be getting wrong. I don't know, I do think that they are more tired, so that it is naturally going to lead to more errors. They are humans, after all. Dan Sheldon, referee liaison officer. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Total Saints podcast, going to the heart of all things Saints FC. There's no rest for Saints with two tough-looking games against Wolves this coming week. First up is the fifth-round FA Cup tie on Thursday at Molyneux, followed by Sunday's Premier League game, which will see everyone jump on the bus and head down to St Mary's. Glenn, let's get to your thoughts on the FA Cup tie first. Obviously, Molyneux is a slightly different experience for away sides when there aren't any home fans, and uh, alongside that is a chance for Saints maybe to go there and play with a bit more freedom without the pressure of the Premier League run at the moment. Uh, yeah, it can't be a bad thing from that point of view. Um, having said that, it's, it was a very difficult draw that we've been given. You know, Wolves are a very good side. You know, Dan mentioned earlier, they don't let in many goals. And they're a very compact side. They've, they've always been that way anyway, but they seem to have gone that way, especially this season, because they have, they're not so good up front with Jimenez having that really bad injury. So it will be a tough game. And I, I think the you know the five defeats in a row that we've suffered in the league, un, unlike the Arsenal doubleheader, when things were a little bit more rosy, you know, we, we 100% put our best team out against Arsenal. I have a feeling that there's a, there's a couple of shell-shocked players um, who may be given a rest. Um, I mean, we know McCarthy's going to get given a rest because Forster will play. But I'm, I'm wondering if Stevens and Bednarek could do with being left out of the cup game as well and then maybe maybe you'll give see run. well now Saz- yeah. Saz- available. yeah give, give him a game give Kane Ramsey a game perhaps if if Walker Peters isn't back so so I can see that so I don't want to see the season peter out into nothing it would be uh it'd be nice to get through this round of the cup but uh it's 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 going to be a very tough game I mean I watched their game today against uh against Leicester and it was exactly how you'd expect Leicester had most of the ball but Wolves just sort of held strong uh, and they're, they're very good on the break because they've got Neto on one side and Adama on the other side and the pair of them they kind of like fearlessly run at people in exactly the same way that Saints don't uh, Saints wingers don't and they, they you know they, they they commit people so you know they'll they'll be a threat on the break I think it's a game where we we will have quite a lot of the ball but uh, it's up to us to do do something with it. I have to say, I was watching the game as well, and I was kind of pleading throughout that uh, Adama was going to fill his hamstring at some point or uh, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, um, Steve, I mean, look, given what's happened the last few weeks then with the, the form and the injuries for Saints, um, do, do you see Ralph potentially prioritising next Sunday, or do you think that actually, you know, maybe give him one or two a, a breather, as the, um, the guys have mentioned there? Or do you think, you know, bearing in mind, we know that uh, Saints do want to take the cup seriously, and he's generally played a strong side throughout, that it, it may well just be... Fraser Force to come in and then the strongest 11 which could well obviously feature Salasu bearing in mind he said he was going to try him uh, for Shrewsbury yeah I think I think you'll probably go go down that route to be honest I think we're not getting relegated no matter what any lunatic might tell you to be honest we, we're probably not far off from already having enough points to stay up um, so that's that's not an issue the mid table is still really congested like one win I think would, would take us back up comfortably into the top half so I don't think there'll be an awful lot of fretting over over current league position. Um, we've still got almost half the season to go. It's um, a, lo- a lot a lot could change, but realistically, there's not an awful lot. There's probably not that many places that we can possibly fall. He says um, slightly, slight with slight trepidation. But yeah, the cup has kind of opened up a little bit for for a few teams. 
Um, obviously, Liverpool are out. Everton or Spurs are going to be out in this round. Arsenal are out. So, yeah, there's there's an opportunity for for maybe one of the lesser fancied sides like, well, both us and Wolves will, will have similar um, similar designs, I would imagine. I mean, Wolves aren't going to be getting back into into Europe via the league this season. They're too far off the pace. And I guess, realistically, we're probably not going to now. So I think the cup is kind of the route the route for that. I mean, with, whether you kind of say, well, um, we don't want we don't want to qualify for Europe. Well, I mean, what's what's the point then? Kind of what? Why 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 not try and try and actually win a trophy? We've not not won a proper trophy since 1976. I was going to say that's the thing, Dan, is it? I mean, there's a quarterfinal there in reach, and then you know who knows what happens in the cup. So for Saints, it's uh, and, and you kind of answered this earlier, but it is a real motivator. I think so, absolutely. I, I agree with with everything Steve has just said. I don't know why you wouldn't want to go and do everything you can to win the FA Cup. And the teams that uh, the the bigger teams, like, I don't know, Man City, if they're, I mean, after their result today, I mean, I can't see them not winning the league to be honest. But if they're going for the Champions League late in the season, then they're going to be prioritising that over the FA Cup. So I do, I honestly think that this, as bad as Saints have been over the past month, the FA Cup can provide a glimmer of hope to kind of salvage what looked to be a, fan- a brilliant season a couple of months ago into what could be, I don't know, just a well, just an average kind of rest, rest of the season. I think the FA Cup should absolutely be at the forefront of their minds now. I don't think they're going to finish much lower than where they are at the moment. As Steve said, a run of results and you're straight back in there. But qualifying for Europe by finishing in the positions in the league, I just don't, I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that now. I think they're too far behind, and I think the teams above them, Spurs, Everton, West Ham, they're just not going to, they can't match them, I don't think. So, yeah, FA Cup, they should do everything they can. Wolves isn't going to be easy by any stretch of imagination, but then no one expected Arsenal to be an easy game. I mean, Arsenal obviously made loads of changes, but they still they still got the win, and it's two clean sheets in a row now in the FA Cup. So they should go there kind of with confidence. I know it's been a tough, tough week, but... They should hopefully have it's a different competition, different mindset. Maybe I don't know if that's wishful thinking, but that's how I'd like to think they're viewing it. That's what we I need. I think Wolves might make a few changes as well. Do you reckon? Um, yeah, I suspect so. I mean, I would expect John Ruddy to play in goal, which is a big step down from their first choice goalkeeper. Whereas our goalkeeping changes, I mean, some may argue it's actually an upgrade. So yeah, I mean that's that's one that's one change. Pick pick one of. Pick one of their kind of interchangeable midfielders. They'll probably they'll leave somebody out. Possibly Ruben Neves gets a rest because he he starts every game with the way the the schedule is. And Wolves have got a small squad. They every time they get a player injured, it seems to um, provoke a run of terrible form. So they 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 possibly think that they can't can't sort of risk another injury. So yeah, I mean it's it's possible that that we're playing similar to the Arsenal game. We're playing a kind of half baked. Um, team that haven't really played many games together, and if we pick full, pick pretty much full strength, then yeah, we we will be we'll be in the decent shout, I think. Well, Wolves so far beating Crystal Palace one nil in the third round, and then uh, just about uh, beat Chorley one nil away in the uh, fourth round. Although Chorley uh, certainly gave as good as they got. So uh, let's have some quick one-word answers. Either Saints or Wolves. Obviously, it has to be decided on the uh, the night, so we can't have uh, draws, and we're not going to do any score predictions or anything. So, Glenn, Saints or Wolves? Who goes through? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, no, I'll go for us in the in the uh, in the cut game. Yeah, cool, Dan. Yeah, Saints after extra time. 
Steve? Uh, Saints on penalties. Saints on penalties, nice, alright. Um, I'm going to go for Wolves, obviously. Right, on to the Premier League match at St Mary's next Sunday, which is, of course, Valentine's Day, Dan. Um, we'd love to see Saints get a heartwarming and cuddly three points, right? No more Cupid mistakes at the back, I thank you. Jesus. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm just going to throw up. Maybe give this to one of the other guys to answer. <laughs> no, I mean, look, important that Saints get their uh, Premier League campaign back on track. Yeah, really important. I think that almost goes without saying. They, It's hard to add much more than what we've already said about the the Wolf game just begone. They need to find a way to get that kind of spark and playing Wolves back-to-back may be handy. I think it's going to be a different Wolves team they play in the Premier League. But they're at St Mary's. Their form there has been better this season. So there's every chance that, that they should win. I mean, Wolves haven't been fantastic all year. I think they've only won what, seven times. So then they're clearly not the team they were last season of course as Glenn mentioned when you lose a striker like Jimenez it's, it's going to be difficult for any side to, to replace that but I don't know it, I, I want to be confident thinking back Southampton to go and get the result and put in a good performance but I thought they'd do that against Newcastle and that that really let me down so I don't know it, it's going to be tough it's going to be tough and I don't want to go out all out and say yeah they're going to be back and they're going to show that Man United and Newcastle were just bumps in the road so I've been sorry I can't add too much more on it than that I don't want to get carried away and I don't want to be too negative so I'll just sit on the fence and say it'll be a very difficult game (laughs) fair enough worth worth knowing that Wolves' form is probably on a par with ours well I was just going to bring it up um, you're you're right just briefly to say that obviously yeah um, you're you're right about Raul Jimenez and obviously yeah we wish him well with his uh, continued uh, um, recovery and everything but you're right Steve and and Glenn I was just going to ask you about this before I I finish off with Steve but uh, Steve's right since the beginning of December Wolves have played 12 in the Premier League. They've won two. They've drawn four. They've lost six. So they're fairly inconsistent. You know, we we know they've got some talented players. We know they've got a very hard-working manager. But from a Premier League point of view, Glenn, forget the the cup. You know, they are a bit, little bit unpredictable. Yeah, they are, and it's surprising to see how low down they are in the league. Um, but but I guess they're similar to us. They've got a very good first eleven when everyone's fit. But as soon as you go, well, as soon as you take a key player out, which has been the case with him and as it kind of up, upsets the whole the whole balance they, they've not done very well recently there's uh, there's no getting away from that but um, yeah I mean I, I think it depends more on us and, and how we play than, than them um, if, if Ings and Adams can get themselves going again then we've got a chance and if they, if they don't then we're going to struggle and this goes for both the cup game and the league game but um, but no it's it's not any game against Wolves this season it's it's a less scary proposition than it was last season and, and at the moment, yeah, their form's been poor. And uh, we should certainly go into both games thinking, you know, we, we shouldn't have any inferiority complex going into either game. As long as we can put the events of the last sort of week or so out of out of our mind. Quick question. Is Minamino cup-tied? He, he is, will be. yes. Yeah. He so is. Will Theo so, if he is injured, didn't he? So, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to have to make changes there. So, uh, mm. And obviously, yeah. uh, Bolly's out for uh, Wolves at the moment, I think, isn't he? So that's one minor positive. But, uh, Steve, yeah, just uh, to finish then, um, you know, from our point of view with Wolves, we've lost three of our last four home games against them in all competitions. Obviously, everyone will remember the uh, the cup tie when they uh, beat us. But um, it feels like we do owe them one at St Mary's. Yeah, I mean, we, we obviously beat them well, what, three years ago? Um, three, three, one. three, one. Yeah. Um, back in the days where Redmond, where Nathan Redmond was good, scored twice at that. Um, yep. Yeah, and yeah, we we were very good that day. But yeah, they've they've kind of had our number a little bit. Although saying that, I mean, last season we were two up and coasting. Yeah, and Bednarik uh, scored again, didn't uh, he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, 
the old uh, Bed- Bednarek, um, <laughs> Bednarek two nil, <laughs> two nil down, uh, two nil up and down, losing three two trick. But yeah, I mean they they've they've had a they've had a good record, kind of well. I mean in in all competitions and and at both grounds against us really in in recent years because um, we've not we've not won up there in in the league yet. A couple of draws and uh, and a defeat their first season up. So it's. It's something. Well, it's a run that theoretically has got to end at some point. And I mean, as I, as I said, they're they're in they're kind of in no better form than us, really. I mean, watching their game against Arsenal on uh, what was that? Because that was that was the that was on the same night as the yeah, 9-0. That was just before us, wasn't it? I think yeah. Yeah, because David Luiz obviously got sent off for basically a similar thing for as Bednarek did. And yeah, that first 45 minutes. I mean, Wolves were absolutely pathetic. In that in that 45 minutes, Arsenal should have been about four nil up, but didn't take their chances. And then just suddenly one ball through the middle, the guy goes clean through, gets gets clipped, and they get a penalty. They equalise. Arsenal down the ten men, and all of a sudden the game changes. So I think if we can get ourselves in front, then we've got a very good chance. Um, I think Wolves saw a stat before before their game with Leicester today that I think in the last ten games they've They've only taken the lead once, and even that game, I don't think they went on to win. So they're they're slow starters, and that's that's something that we've that we've really got to take take advantage of in both games. I think. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's end the pod with some uh, predictions then. Um, Dan, let's come to you first this week. One all. One all. All right. Steve. Um. Yeah. Stop the rot. I think I'm going to go nil nil. Actually, I think. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Glenn. Uh, Saints to win one nil. Saints to win one nil, and uh, I'm I'm going to revert back to normal because I did go for one all draw at Newcastle, didn't I? So I'm going to desperately hope that nil uh, one can start working again. Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings, and you're listening to Total Saints podcast. Well, there's no doubt and it's been a week to forget for Saints. Three played, three lost, 13 conceded and our tail firmly between our legs again. But as we all know, football is a funny old game and Saints are a funny old team. Let's hope this coming week now brings the best out of them again. Thanks for listening to TSP. We do really appreciate it. We'll catch you next time out as long as our wives, girlfriends and or partners let us, of course. Wish us luck with that and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.